Good day, everyone, and welcome to another Connecting Conversation with Family Fuse, where we connect with members of the community to gain insight on how to build a better future for all. I'm Jalen Spooner, and today we are talking with Noor H.M. Fawaz, the president and founder of the nonprofit organization Build a Dream. Good afternoon, Noor, and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Jalen, and it's so nice to be joining you today. Yeah, we're super excited to hear about everything. I think this is the first time we've had a, a founder um to chat with so i'm super excited but um just to start us off can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you were doing before build a dream and what led and inspired you to create this organization sure um well i i have to start off by saying i recently had a baby girl two months ago congratulations <laughs> oh my goodness yeah yeah so um and i have a three-year-old son um so they're my pride and joy um and I mentioned that because I've had to come back into work full time really, really early. And part of the work that I do at Build a Dream is to uh, share my career pathway and be completely transparent about being able or managing both my work life balance, balance in, in, in uh, managing my um, role as president with Build a Dream and founder, but also my role as a mom um, and, and juggling two kids at home. So um so that's the first thing i want to start off by sharing a little bit about me is I'm, i am a mother of two um i've graduated from the university of windsor i used to work at the university of windsor and left my role with the university last year right before covid um, shut down the entire world um to uh commit to build a dream on a full-time basis prior to that i was juggling a, a job and and um, leading Build a Dream as a not-for-profit organization. And during my first mat leave with my son, I was able to scale the organization across Canada. And I realized that um, it took a much larger commitment than than being able to uh, than I could do while working full-time at the university. So I made a really important and difficult decision to leave the university to follow my passion leading Build a Dream. Um, and then uh, last year as well, I graduated from my professional MBA at the University of Windsor. My husband and I decided to go back to school together. Um, and, and one of the reasons I decided to go back and do my professional MBA was to learn what it's like to run a company, um, but then to use those practical skills um, and knowledge uh, to run a not-for-profit like company with the goal of creating social change and a social impact. So for those that don't know what Build a Dream does, I guess I first want to start off with, you know, why did it start and um, why did I decide to register it as a not-for-profit and scale it across um, the country? So um, I've been working at, at the time that Build a Dream started, I was working at Women's Enterprise Skills Training of Windsor, which is a local community um, organization that supports newcomer women and, and women um, that have multiple barriers to employment. And uh, I was leading the employment service department where we assisted women in getting off social assistance and into the workforce. And in analyzing that data and realizing that a lot of our clients are finding work in very precarious roles, um, I also identified that there was a huge demand in the skilled trades, um, Windsor being a huge manufacturing um, uh, community. And um, in trying to get more clients to apply to these positions, we were having not much luck. So 
we, we dug a little bit deeper and, and started asking why. Why is it that, you know, we have clients that we know for certain are very proactive in, in their job search, but yet they're, they're not um, applying to jobs within the skilled trades or within the manufacturing sector. And we found that there was multiple barriers. One, that women were significantly underrepresented for many reasons. Uh, one was exposure, one was workplace environment, and some was just not having the enough information or knowledge about um, what that career looks like. So we launched a community study called We Succeed Beyond the Status Quo, um, where we led a youth uh, council to do some research and talk to young women about what influences their career decisions? How do they decide what career path they want to pursue? And what resources and tools do they use to help further that, further that exploration? And then we also had a, a council of leaders within the community that um, committed to creating change within their own sector to help diversify and get more women, not only into the skilled trades, but science, technology, engineering, and math, emergency response and entrepreneurship areas where there's significant demand, but women are still um, not a significantly low representation. So we found that parents were the key influencers, um, which Family Fuse is, is, knows a lot about that. Parents and guardians play such a crucial role in um, their, their child's uh, educational path, their career journey, and so we decided to host a one-off event where we would invite not only young women to learn about the trades, but young women and their parents um, and both their parents to come out to an evening event where they would hear from female role models, um, educators and industry about all the different amazing opportunities there are within, within the skilled trades and, and um, science, technology, engineering and mathematic pathways, and then connect them to the different resources and tools so that they could make an informed decision. And what we found was within the first year of, of running our event, we had great feedback, great engagement. And so we kept hosting it in Windsor, Essex and year after year it would grow. And our community partners, St. Clair College, University of Windsor, um, Workforce Windsor, Essex, Women's Enterprise Skills Training of Windsor, along with um, both the Windsor, Essex Catholic District School Board and the Greater Essex County District School Public Board. Um, we just found that there was such a demand for the for the information we provided. You would come out to an evening event um, where you would hear from female role models, share their career journey. Then you would get a chance to network with companies and um, educational pathways to learn about how as early as high school you can access these pathways. And then you'd get to do hands-on activities with our local college and our local university. Um, so within a couple of years, we went from over 100 um, attendees to over 1,000. And um, at the time I was working at, um, I went from working at Women's Enterprise to leading a skilled trades program at St. Clair College. And I realized that this was not a unique um, challenge um, to Windsor-Essex, that um, cities across Canada were facing the underrepresentation of women. And that woman at that time only made up 3% of skilled trades. So um, in 2017, I decided to register the organization as a not-for-profit with the goal of taking the model across the province and then one day across Canada. And because of the demand and the significant need um, and, and that the fact that our model worked, we were able to scale it across um, the province um, within a year and a half. And then now we're across Canada. Oh, wow, congratulations, that's amazing. Such a quick um, expansion as well. That's, that's really impressive for such a new organization. Um, so what do you think is the biggest change that needs to happen with women being so underrepresented in skilled trades and labor 
kind of where do you think it starts? How do you think we can change this? Certainly. I often talk about the important role mindset plays. So, um, and just our um, definition or how we we um, define women's role in the workplace, um, in the community, and in the home. Um, I started off by talking about my my role as a mother. I, I am the president of, of Build a Dream, but I'm also a mom, a wife, a sister. And I think that that's really, really important. One of the reasons I, I've chosen to um, talk publicly about my experience being a mom and leading an organization is I think we need to normalize the role um, that women play as leaders that they play within the trade. So I think the first thing is our own mindsets and how we define women in the workplace and what they should and shouldn't do, their role in, in motherhood. And, and we see that time and time again in the questions that young women ask, like, how do I balance work life? How do I, can I actually become an entrepreneur and still choose to raise a family? And the answer is yes, of course you can. It's just how you decide to prioritize and um, the resources and the support systems you have access to. So the first thing is that we challenge is um, the unconscious bias. Just sometimes we don't even realize that some of the words that we use or the comments that we make um, are limiting um, young women's um, access to these pathways. You know, as early as high school, if, if a young woman goes home and says, I want to be an electrician and her parents are encouraging her to go the university path without even digging a little bit deeper to ask her, well, what is it about the electrical trade that you're interested in? Um, why don't we do a little bit more research or why don't we help you sign on to a co-op opportunity and then um, you could test it out. You could test out the, the career path. So I, I think that it really ends up coming down to mindset, even just simple um, examples. Like if, if, uh, if you had a, a problem with your sink or um, needed a plumber to come out and it was a female, as when you open the door, are you shocked to see a female? Do you make a comment about the gender? Or when you walk into a mechanic shop to get your car fixed and um, a female mechanic um, comes out and then you ask for a different mechanic. Like those are all different messages that we're sending out into society that is defining and, and, and sometimes limiting women's confidence in wanting to pursue these, these opportunities. So I think it, the first thing that needs to change is mindset and our, our unconscious bias and how we define women's role um, in work and that we truly believe at Build a Dream that your gender should not define the career pathway that you pursue. It, like wholeheartedly, it should never interfere with that. Your abilities, your skills, your experience, your knowledge is not impacted by your gender. I think that um, there's this misconception that if a woman enters a particular male dominated field that we're asking companies to change their or reduce their the qualifications. And the, the question, the answer is always no, definitely not. Um, I, I often use this example, the Canadian Armed Forces realized that they weren't getting um, that they were getting female applicants into the pipeline. And after six months of going through that journey, um, they weren't passing the physical test. And the physical test was the amount of upper body, um, it assessed their upper body strength. So biologically, men and women are built differently. Um, men are born with, with greater upper body strength. So instead of assuming that they had to decrease the qualifications, they instead offered women the opportunity to do combat training where they worked on their upper body strength for the six months. And what they saw was a dramatic increase in the number of females that, that passed that physical testing. 
Similarly in Windsor, Windsor police launched the, the, the woman in training opportunity where as opposed to doing your physical test um, with your male peers, you did it amongst your female peers because they identified that intimidation plays a factor. So these are all approaches that you could that companies could take without decreasing the qualifications or without you know making it a token the tokenism um, uh, excuse. It's really just about looking at our approach and is this really um, uh, equitable to both genders to all cultures? And if the answer is no, then what could you do to help open the doors for for more um, demographics to succeed down this path? Yeah, really great points. I 100% agree. I know personally, um, I play on the University of Windsor women's hockey team. And growing up, hockey was always a male dominated sport. Um, so there's definitely always that mindset and those biases that you're talking about, um, you know, like changing even the, the infrastructure. Um, I would be changing in broom closets and then there'd always be comments by parents and stuff and it's just everything adds together so 100% I agree and um, kind of shifting towards more of what family feuds is about um, we work with parents and supporting them through the education system so what do you think about a teacher's influence I know you touched on it a little bit but maybe we could kind of hone in on that point kind of a teacher's influence on these young girls in how they perceive the skilled labor trade Okay, before I get to that, thank you for sharing your experience as um, a hockey player, because you are right, like those are, that's something that you would have experienced as an athlete, and what is typically defined as a male dominated sport, <clears throat> not to like switch things around, but just to create more context for those tuning in. How did those comments and experiences make you and your peers feel? Yeah, it was kind of I know when we're younger, we kind of took it and almost used it as like fuel, I guess, in kind of being like, oh, well, then we're going to go show them like um, a lot of the times, like we'd cut our hair short just because it just made sense for the sport. Um, long hair kind of gets in the way, but like parents wouldn't even know that we were girls until after or like the players wouldn't know we were girls until after we got undressed and stuff like that. So um just kind of it didn't really affect us until we were older and we looked back and we were like man like that really you don't notice it when you're little but all those things add up and then you kind of put those views on yourself like oh I have to kind of not show that I'm a girl because people don't take me seriously so you would do little things like cut your hair shorter even if you didn't want to and um, kind of portray yourself as more masculine just to kind of fit in and I think now it's a lot better, I know, but there's definitely still that aspect where you kind of, you almost get like a internal misogynistic view where you're like, oh, well, I'm one of the boys instead of being like, no, I'm a girl and I'm proud of that and I play hockey. You're just kind of, kind of assimilate yourself. Thank you for sharing that and um, being so open and honest about that. And I think that hearing it from, from someone that went through a similar experience Put, creates more context and to be honest with you that's something that we often hear from women across all different industries is that when you place a woman in an area where it's typically defined as male dominated which hopefully our goal is to eliminate that and just make it the norm to go into any pathway that you choose mm -hmm. women feel that they have to play a certain role or, or behave a certain way to be accepted and we're arguing that no that there's features and 
characteristics from both genders um, or any gender that, or however you identify that is acceptable and we just need to normalize it. So um, thank you for, for, for sharing your experience in playing hockey. Um, but going back to your question about the role teachers play, I mean, our, our, one of our greatest partners are the school boards. They, we work with school boards from across Canada and we help support their students in grade seven to grade 12. And teachers are often um, known to be significant role models and influencers when it comes to the career decisions youth make. So we believe that, um, and we often encourage for teachers, same thing, going back to that mindset, that perception that us as individuals have in terms of the role that like different genders play. And we wanna break down that stigma. And I often talk about the role educators play in really changing the approach we take and how we support students' career decision-making. I look at, you know, grade seven and eight being way too soon to choose what you're gonna be for the rest of your life. Um, I don't know if you agree as a, as a university student, but your mind changes so often. And, and how do you really know in grade eight what you wanna be when you grow up? You may, wanna, you may have an idea in terms of things you wanna explore or that you're curious about, but to put a definite decision on the rest of your life at, at, at such a young age is, is um, limiting. So I often talk about, you know, how do we help grade seven and eight students explore their, op their possibilities, explore the opportunities. And then as they go through college, or sorry, high school, they tap into the different ways that they can build on their skills, learn what they want, learn what they want to achieve or what they want to, what type of work they want to do when they grow up. Um, learn about the labor market because ultimately you don't want to invest, you know, four years in post-secondary or eight years in post-secondary to only end up not, not being able to find a job in your field. So what aspects of that job that do you, do you like? And then how do we help you explore the different fields and industries that can help you reach those goals? Absolutely. And Going back to your um, point about not knowing what you want to do in, at grade seven and eight, I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I was in grade 12. Like, <laughs> that's the thing is that like, even sometimes now it's like, oh, what do I really want to do when I'm older? And for to be in seven and eight, it's just like the mind isn't fully developed at all. And I think um, you change your mind so much at that age. It's just putting so much emphasis is not the best um, path in in my and your opinion from the sounds of it but um kind of shifting the focus um a little bit and this might be a little bit of an open-ended question here but what have you seen in regards to the intersection of race and gender in the discriminatory culture of the skilled labor workforce okay so i'm gonna <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question okay so i'm gonna clarify in terms of you know how I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of, we as an organization, we don't go out and say, build a gym exists because of all the discrimination that happens within the sector. What, what, what we're saying as an organization is that there's multiple barriers to women's representation and race within these sectors. One being discriminatory practices in certain cases, that we're trying to improve on. So I think that's the first aspect that I want to just be mindful of in terms of the work that we do at Build a Dream, because there are some companies that um, 
their their setbacks or their barriers is not the fact that they're a discriminatory company. It's just that um, their unconscious bias has led to the underrepresentation of, of women. And I think that there is a difference in that, um, but it's not to excuse discriminatory practices because I think that that's something that is really important to shed light on. And we've seen it and we've addressed it and we continue to do so as we build partnerships with key part with key stakeholders to break down the, the barriers, but also address the discrimination. Um, interestingly enough, I just had this conversation with an association during my podcast episode, um, which is another thing that if you're looking to learn more about Build Dream, I, I highly encourage you to tune into our Perfectly Unfiltered podcast. But we talked about uh, how BIPOC women are almost non-existent in advanced manufacturing. So I, that's something I identified um, in my research as well. And in my experience is that we talk about women in skilled trades and they make up less than 6%. But once we look at BIPOC women, um, that number really, really drops significantly. Um, and one of the things, um, our biggest um, uh, uh, point that we like to make is that you can't be what you can't see. And that's why featuring female role models is so crucial. So we make a really... Um, intentional effort to find women um, and diverse women and, and black women uh, to feature as skilled trades women. But I can tell you that we're not looking at thousands of women within these sectors, like the, the numbers are so small. So there's a lot more work that we need to do, not only as an organization, as a community, as a society, to address the, these low numbers and to create more opportunities for BIPOC women to succeed in these pathways. That, I arguably will say are in such great demand and, and COVID, if anything, has shown that the skilled trades that are male dominated are the jobs that have thrived and grown and increased despite COVID. Um, and actually the jobs that have almost been eliminated have been predominantly female led. Um, we see that in the service industry significantly that are predominantly held by females. So um, I, I hope that that answered your question. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. That was actually really well answered. I know when I was writing up that question, I was like, this is quite a large question, but I mean, yeah. I think you answered it very well. And um, I also noticed going through your website that Build a Dream has started kind of that work in your WIN or WIN program and the task force. So can you tell me a little bit about those initiatives? Sure, yeah. So the, the workplace um, initiatives network, the, the workforce initiatives network is about our inclusion network, workforce inclusion network um, was launched because naturally in the work that we do in connecting young women to these career pathways is that we work very closely with our industry partners, companies that um, are looking to diversify, have a significant demand and are really looking to tap into the other 50% of the population. And often if not always um, the conversation would always lead to how does a company diversify not just from the recruitment and awareness piece but from the retention and, and, and advancement area like how not only is it important for us to get more women into the industry it's important for us to keep them in the industry and help them move into leadership positions so we found that okay well in order for us to really see the needle move because I'll, I will argue that I can get women interested in these pathways. It's not that women don't want to build or, or work with tools or, or um, have physically intensive jobs. It's, it's that they just aren't aware and, and knowledge is power. 
Um, so we can get them in, but we need, how do I ensure that they have these environments that are inclusive and um, um, diverse so that we keep them and help them advance? And that's where we launched this initiative is that diversity and inclusion way before the last year of um, the movements that we saw, the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the other really important conversations that we are starting to see um, uh, happen in communities and in circles that are really putting pressure, necessary pressure on communities to create greater diversity um, and be more reflective of their community. So way before that, we, we identified that that was always the need. That was always part of the commitment. If you really want to tap into the other 50%, what are you doing in terms of diversity and inclusion within your respective country, uh, industry? And we found that there's power in sharing resources. There's power in sharing tools. There's power in sharing best practices. So we, we launched WIN with the goal of really highlighting the companies that are doing it right. And even if they make mistakes along the way, it's not about shaming companies and making that make mistakes. It's about really having dialogue, respectful dialogue to say, okay, well, you made a mistake. What can, how can we do it better? And how can we learn from this? Um, and then about a year ago, I read an article in our local paper that just kind of hit a nerve for me in terms of um, what we need to do as a community to increase diversity at all levels, not just in the industries, but diversity um, on councils, diversity in leadership roles, diversity on um, boards, all places where decisions are made that are going to reflect the lives of the community we serve, you need to have those voices reflected at the table. Like hands down, you need, you, you, you can't assume that if everyone around the table looks like you, sounds like you, acts like you, thinks like you, you're going to bring light to our attention to um, factors that ultimately um, impact certain particular demographics. And so for me, that's where I say there needs to be diversity in all places where decisions are being made that are impacting um, communities at large. So when I read this article, I decided to speak to some stakeholders that I thought would want to play a role in addressing that limitation, those limiting, um, or the underrepresentation of um, different races, different cultures, um, and leadership positions in our local community. And we received an over overwhelming response and then we created this grassroots committee where it's the Windsor-Essex Diversity and Inclusion Committee work um, task force that is going to now look at what could we do better as a community to address the underrepresentation and how can we get more diverse voices at the leadership table, at the decision-making table, so that um, when decisions are, are being made at a higher level, we're, we're factoring in how that's impacting different demographics. I mean, you know, Examples are, um, you know, when you limit transportation, access to transportation, who is that impacting most? Um, when you're making decisions uh, or, or creating uh, programs and services, are you addressing the limitations and the barriers that certain populations face? Are you going to seek that information and ask the right questions? Um, so those are all, uh, aspects that we look at as a as, at, the, at the council and as a, a organization. That's excellent to hear that um, all these initiatives are coming together and I think you're doing really important work that needs to be done 
and hopefully will be done by a, a lot more organizations in the coming um, coming months or, or years. So thank you for all the work that you're doing in the community. I know Family Fuse is really, really excited about our um, future relationship with Build a Dream. And so just in moving forward with your organization, um, what are the next steps that you see happening for Build a Dream? And what is your biggest goal for the future? Sure. Um, and, and we're such proud partners of Family Fuse. I, I'm, I've known Christine Nelson for a, a while and I've followed her and she's a great advocate and um, such an informed voice in our community. And I love following her and listening to the work that she's doing because it's so important. And um, our new partnership with Family Fuse will only strengthen the work that we do at Build a Dream. Um, and I love the fact that Family Fuse focuses on the advocacy piece for parents um, because parents are such an untapped resource when it comes to the educational system. And there are greatest, parents are guardians because there are our greatest line of communication, direct communication to the children, to the youth who um, are definitely um, influenced by their families. So Family Fuse is doing really wonderful work. So the next steps in Windsor, um, in the next steps for Build a Dream, um, we're going to continue hosting our career discovery expos where we highlight all these career pathways. We have um, Trades Week that's happening next month. Um, it's a free event um, that's going to be over two nights and it's going to really tap into all the career pathways within the Trades Week. And we're encouraging all families in Windsor Essex to register for that event. You'll get more information. You can visit our website. And over the next year or so, we're really going to enhance and, and further support um, our diversity and inclusion efforts by partnering with organizations like Family Fuse that have a specific target demographic that they work with um, to then support their work and then create programs and services at Build a Dream that aligns with the needs of that particular community. We don't assume to know everything about diversity and inclusion and what particular communities mean. But what we are going to commit to is working with all communities, um, all BIPOC communities, so that we can strengthen the work that um, we do and strengthen the resources and tools so that they directly align with the needs of these specific um, communities. And we're, we wanna be as respectful um, to those, those particular needs as, as we can. So we're always on a learning journey um, we're growing and learning with communities, but we're taking the necessary steps and, and doing the necessary work so that um, we do address um, the importance of diversity and inclusion across all these sectors. And we want to be that connector piece, that piece that's a catalyst between education and industry and then um, families and youth and be able to bring that all together so that young people know that they, they have so much resources and tools and supports at their fingertips so that they can make those informed career decisions because we know that when you make an informed career decision you can only do so with all, all information presented to you and that informed career decision leads to a successful career which leads you out of the cycle of poverty or um, brings you closer to um, financial independence that I think is so key for all youth and and we want to represent the underrepresented group. Wow that's certainly 
a lot of um, a lot of good things in store for your organization, and uh, we can't wait to see it happen. And we're looking forward to supporting you along the way. So um, thank you for joining me today and having this chat. It was a really nice time. We got to get to know each other a lot better. So really thankful for you um, talking with me today. And in closing, I encourage anyone listening to visit Build a Dream website at webuildadream.com and check out their services and programs. And um, yeah, just check out there. Also, hashtag Dream Big Dis Career Discovery Expos, um, where you can be supported to discover and explore new career pathways. So thank you, Noor, and stay safe, everyone, and have an amazing day. Thanks, Ellen.